First, Udi, I'm starting to get this feeling that like it's not just about wizard costumes and it's not just about these Microsoft Paint wizards. Is there more to Taproot Wizards? Can you spill the beans for us here? What's going on? I'm just starting to get these like hints that it's not just about these like JPEGs. There's more to this. Can you share maybe a little bit? It's really all about the showers, right? I don't know how many times I can repeat that, but it's really about bringing personal hygiene to billions of people. I guess on a more serious note, it's funny. It is, though, about the JPEGs and the wizard costumes and the showers because we really think that this is the way to break through the barriers in Bitcoin culture and then bring Bitcoin into the promised land of fulfilling its full potential. Like... <laughs> it's really silly, but I also think it's true. Look at the last year, right? If we hadn't had this explosion of the Ornals community and the Ornals culture, it's really not just type of wizards, it's just really this entire like community. If we didn't have that, I don't think anyone would have taken Bitcoin seriously now. We've had these headlines of Bitcoin fees crossing Ethereum fees last week, right? So people are paying more in Bitcoin mining fees than they do in Ethereum fees for the first time in, I don't know, five, six years, maybe more. <laughs> I don't even know how long it's been. And that's wild. No one would have imagined this a year ago. And I think the reason this is happening is, yeah, is because we broke the culture a little bit. So we do intend to continue to do that. I think that's like a, a key ingredient of pushing Bitcoin forward. But also we want to do the pushing of Bitcoin forward, <laughs> not just the cultural step, but it is like super important. It, I, I think that was like the main realization in the last 12 months that it, it has been the main blocker. It's not, oh, but we can't like run smart contracts on Bitcoin. That was never like the problem. <laughs> that's never the issue. The issue was always the cultural issue. and. I think everyone is like looking now and we can see the end of the tunnel. So yeah, it's actually, it's funny, but the, the wizard outfits are a very important part of this. I'm glad to hear that culture is still very important to you guys. We say it on this show every week. Trevor says it every morning with the intro, but we're in complete alignment on this culture thing. If you lay a cultural foundation on Bitcoin for this new, just very iterative, open style of building that just probably existed in the early days to the builder's credit, like there are a bunch of these like really hardcore, passionate builders on Bitcoin that have been here for a while, but that are focused on extremely specific problems and have just a very specific ethos. And that's great. These experiments should keep being run. But we also need to embrace that we can't predict the future exactly. Nobody knows exactly what needs to be built. And there's a lot of innovation that still needs to come. And having this more open it's like the Coliseum of Builders. There's like hundreds of these startups now. Like we have lots of them on the show. Building shipping product really fast and creating and solving problems for users. And I don't know, like a year ago, it would have just blown my mind to imagine that Bitcoin is what it is today. And, and it's still incredible to watch people come to Bitcoin, download a wallet like Xverse, and then start connecting to websites, doing all of this fun stuff. This is not the Bitcoin of 2022 this is a new era on bitcoin like you call it season two udi so could you maybe briefly share what does season two mean to you yeah i did have a bunch of tweets about that in the past i think that the main difference between bitcoin season two to bitcoin season one is that we stop with the dogma <laughs> we stop with the attempts to like central plan things to come up with oh 
And it's funny, it's such an engagement bait for me to say this, but it, as I'm listening to the open AI drama over the weekend, it's so similar. You've got like the laser eyes, like putting the safety of Bitcoin above everything else. And it's okay to be as slow as humanly possible in progress, just to make sure that you're not hurting Bitcoin's future prospects. And in the way you're totally fine with kicking out the most talented people in the ecosystem and pushing them to competitors. And I think season two is about ending that. <laughs> it's about people saying, hey, Bitcoin has some potential. <laughs> there are some things that can be built here and we're just gonna we're just gonna do it. <laughs> and some of those things are gonna be useless, some of those things are gonna break. Some people are going to lose some cash, some money, some Bitcoins. But in the end of the day, we're going to find something that works. And we're going to make progress and we're going to be competitive again. I think that's what season two is about. I like that answer. I want to go to Alok now. So Alok is the co-founder of Standard Crypto, a very prominent fund that's made lots of very successful investments in the Ethereum ecosystem and just Web3 ecosystem in general. Alok, what does it mean to you to be making Bitcoin ordinals investment in a company like Taproot Wizards like this. You guys are obviously leading the rounds. Clearly, I think if, if people have read your blog post, they maybe know this already, but like, why are you so excited about this space? Why make a bold move like this? Hey guys, first off, thrilled to be here. I came into this space. I was a Bitcoiner first. I joined in 2012 is when I first learned about Bitcoin. And I was born in that era when it was just a scene. And the quality of thinking, the quality of people, just the idea velocity, it was infectious. And that early Bitcoin community was a reason why 10 years later, I'm still here, still fully dedicated in my career and my life to this industry. And obviously, the, the past 10 years have been a wild ride for the space overall, including Bitcoin. But I was reflecting on this. And the last time I advocated within my venture firm for an investment in a Bitcoin company was literally 2013. And I think that what's happened with ordinals, what's happened over the past year, I'm just so happy that we're able to do it because Bitcoin is so important. But I think what's happened to it over the past five years is just, a, or even a bit longer, is just a travesty to me. And something that I've said a couple of times is that I really believe that there's this silent majority in Bitcoin that really loves Bitcoin, believes in it, thinks what Bitcoin has become is just cringe and becomes, it's almost like a deceleration movement. And we've forgotten it's about technology. We've forgotten that ultimately we need to build and innovate and that's the only way forward. And I think Ordinals has really kickstarted that energy that felt long lost. And, and it felt like the right time to really start to imagine season two for Bitcoin. And I'm thrilled to get to work on it in, in a way that I haven't been able to get to work on Bitcoin in a very long time. So, look, I'm noticing your PFP has one problem with it. It doesn't have a wizard. Like, Udi, what's the deal there? Has Alok not taken a shower yet? Like, why is Alok rocking this other PFP? Yeah, all, all the investment agreements explicitly say that there, there will not be a wizard PFP unless a high-quality shower is taken and, and published. <laughs> Trevor, your fund, Bitcoin Frontier Fund, also is co-investing in this round with Alok. I'm curious, kind of your thoughts here. You got to say nice stuff about Udi, by the way, for this conversation. This is great. It's great to have investors like Alok coming into the space. I think it's incredibly validating for Bitcoin and for Bitcoin Season 2. 
You can just look at, you can just click on Alok's profile, look at his, look at his bio here. His background is from funds like Benchmark. And these are the type of real professional funds who all founders aspire to work with in terms of funds that have taken companies public, that they have a very, this is the big leagues. These are the big funds in, in Silicon Valley. And it's awesome. Congrats to Udi. Congrats to the team. I know it's like congratulating someone on raising a a VC round is like kind of congratulating the chef by, for buying the, the materials to cook the dinner. It's validating for the space. I'm super excited for everything the team's worked on. And Udi has done just an incredible job of pushing the space forward. I compared Udi to like the Batman of, of Bitcoin and just some of the stuff he's achieved on Twitter, his understanding of the space and the culture is second to no one. And couldn't be more grateful to have him in the ecosystem and for being the main character in the uh, battle with the laser eye maxis. I'm glad I don't have to be the main character. I couldn't even survive if I was. And hats off to Udi. And it's great to have Alok coming in here and, and making a very serious bet and play here on the Taproot Wizards. And I think we'll only start to see more funds follow in, in those footsteps. Love it. Really appreciate your perspective, Trevor. I guess... I'm going I'm to ask a question that I think everyone's wondering. I think I saw somebody yesterday speculating. They were like doing math on how many four megas you could afford with seven and a half million dollars at the current fees. What are you planning to spend seven and a half million dollars on duty? We talked about the cultural thing. I don't like announcing things before they're ready. And I think people will have a much better experience if they just see us do things instead of pre-announcing them. But I had another interview with Trevor a few months back. And I think we talked a bit about how... When we do say things publicly, it's usually not a coincidence. Like when I do end up saying something, it's not just because I'm bored and doesn't have anything else to say. And we do try to throw in sometimes. I think that there's a few topics that I think a bunch of us have said that we really care about. Look, it's no secret that we've done some work in the kind of roll-up area and we've open sourced some stuff there. And we're going to continue working on that. But that's not necessarily something that people are going to play with tomorrow morning. There's also other things <laughs> that I think we've tried to show that we care about a lot. We really care about the progress of Bitcoin and the process of how Bitcoin gets improved and gets upgraded or how does it get pushed forward. And yeah, it's something we really care about very deeply. We think that there's a lot to do there. I think that there's a lot that has not been done recently. And I think, yeah, people are going to see more in that direction from us probably sooner rather than later. All right. We got some alpha for our listeners there. Trevor. Yeah, Udi, I want to ask you a little bit more targeted question here other than this, aside from these softballs that Leo keeps throwing you here. Among all the people who were salty about Taproot Wizards raising $7.5 million, I'd put Adam back at the top of that list. And I think among the people who, or at least among the companies who, uh, proportional to their user adoption or maybe market adoption, Blockstream has put several Bitcoin core developers on the payroll over the years. And I think they have a lot of loyalty in the Bitcoin core area. And Bitcoin core famously would not even let Casey even add documentation to ordinals and the BIP repo. But on the flip side, we have ordinals DGENs running full Bitcoin core nodes. It was estimated early on because the only way to, to inscribe was to run a full Bitcoin core node. Some of the moderators in the Discord of the Ordinals project estimated that maybe there was like on the order of 10,000 different people, which is quite significant. I think Ethereum is somewhere in the 10 to 20,000 node range. Bitcoin's estimated much higher. 
But DGENs will do anything. And like you've gotten people to tattoo themselves of Taproot Wizards. It's a lot harder to tattoo a Taproot Wizard onto your body than to run a Bitcoin node. Do you think there's the potential to really expand Bitcoin's footprint through these communities and incentives? And then what implications is that going to have in the future? Bitcoin Core is not a anointed by God organization. It's not official in any way. Do you see ordinals leading the charge in the future? Do you see people, more people in the future running ordinals than not running ordinals who are running Bitcoin Core nodes? And, and what does that mean for how we can innovate on Bitcoin? Yeah, look, those are great questions. You mentioned organizations like Blockstream and Bitcoin Core, and, and I think all of them are like very well-intentioned. And Blockstream is a private company that can do whatever they want. But with especially with Bitcoin Core, I think they're, ideally there would be some sort of process of introspection at some point. It's been probably seven years since they officially became an umbrella term for developing on Bitcoin. And I don't know that there was ever like a single moment where people stopped and asked if the process is even working. I don't think it's going to be a big secret that it's not really working very well. Look, maybe I'm wrong, but I think we could probably do better. And when I say we, I mean as a community, right? It's funny because the playbook is clear and, and, and nobody's doing things perfectly, right? Like I think that's maybe the most frustrating thing with what have been happening with Bitcoin over the years is that people are at least pretending to look for those pref- perfect solutions or perfect processes as if it's a thing, <laughs> as if the way to move forward is to first figure out the most pure process possible and then start work, which I don't know who thought that was a good idea. And if you look at things like you mentioned, oh, are people going to use ordinals as much as they're using Bitcoin? And it's, it's almost to me, it's like, why are we in a point where we need to even ask this question? If you look at the Ethereum community, NFTs are simply a part of Ethereum culture. You don't need to go and measure like how many Ethereum users are using NFT and how many are. And it's very obvious to everyone in Ethereum that the existence of NFTs is beneficial. It's good that some people use it. And even the people who don't use it are happy that they exist. And that's it. And we don't have to have these fights about metrics every day. Oh, people use NFTs more than they use like stablecoin transactions. Who cares? <laughs> it's a good use case. People love enjoying it. It brings value to Ethereum. It brings value to people who don't care about NFTs. Great. Awesome. And in, <laughs> in Bitcoin, for some reason, we're still having those arguments. So yeah, I don't even know why it's a discussion that needs to be had. And honestly, I think that people are starting to get it. I really think like next year, we're not going to have these arguments anymore. I really think it's over. And I think, again, in Ethereum, it is very obvious that the NFT use case is important as other use cases for informing how the Ethereum network is going to develop. And I think it's going to be true for Bitcoin as well. I, I don't even think myself that digital art on Bitcoin is the most important use case of Bitcoin. I, I actually absolutely don't think that. But I think it's going to be pretty obvious that that use case is, is going to need to inform decisions, at least on some level. And But first, decisions need to happen. I think the problem right now is that decisions do not happen. Not only is there not a decision-making process, decisions even don't happen randomly by accident. I think that is going to be the first thing that needs to be resolved. I've been pretty optimistic about this and people keep telling me that I'm crazy, but I actually think the things are going to start looking very different next year. To your point, I, was, I think that one thing that's been missing in Bitcoin for a long time is coordination. 
And I think we talked earlier about culture and memes and fun and these things, but it's actually a supremely effective coordination apparatus. And that ability to basically debate things as a Bitcoin community, that's gone away. And, and something I want to add, the irony of a lot of these things, we're talking about these ideas like they're brand new. But the irony is that the first time I ever heard about zero-knowledge proofs applied to Bitcoin, for example, it was in the Blockstream pitch that I took in 2013 for their original round of financing. The first NFT I ever owned was a rare Pepe, which was an NFT on Counterparty. And so this idea that, that somehow these things are brand new to Bitcoin, that's just not true. These are Bitcoin ideas, and we're actually getting to them when a lot of us thought we were going to start getting to them 10 years ago. Loke, you just brought up some excellent points there. I think there's a lot of history that maybe we need to devote an entire show to on some point, at some point. But yeah, a lot of these things did start on Bitcoin. More or less, Web3 was born out of the Bitcoin community. This is just objectively the case. Udi compared LaserEyes to like AI safety just a moment ago. I would say over the past six years, if you're like measuring Bitcoin by the podcasting to building ratio, that has just continued to get higher. What do you think led to this? Why do you think a lot of developers on Bitcoin conflated developing the core protocol with developing applications on top? And yeah, like basically, what would you recommend the correct mindset is for a builder who wants to strike a balance between upholding these set of values that are very important to Bitcoin, but also building and delivering value and iterating quickly? Obviously, like the ordinal space is on one end of the spectrum, but you've got laser eyes on a very different end. How do you think about this? I think there's builders in the audience listening right now who are probably curious your thoughts on how you strike a balance. My answer is we need all of it. I think that number one, there needs to be a bat signal that, hey, there's the opportunity to do ambitious things with Bitcoin, which we haven't had for a long time. This is an aside, but one of my favorite anecdotes or kind of one of my favorite things to bring up in crypto, which I think is lost on many, when you're scaling a startup, bear with me here, when you're scaling a startup, imagine you're a team of 10 and you go from nothing to discovering your first product market fit and then things start working and then you scale and you spent two years as a company of 10 toiling, figuring out the right thing to do, getting all of those pieces correct. And then it starts working and then you go from 10 to 100 people. One of the hardest things about hyper growth in a company is that if you're one of those first 10 people, you still think that the first 10 people are the company. But in fact, it's the 90 that joined in the last six months that are the company. And so it's of actually preserving culture, preserving institutional know-how values. That's some of the hardest stuff to do when you're scaling aggressively. And I draw this comparison to the crypto industry where I think we don't appreciate often, especially those of us who've been here for a long time, how every time we've had a crypto bull run, right, 11, 13, 17, 21, every time we have a bull run, the number of people that enter the space is bigger than the number of people that were in the space cumulatively before that. And so what many longtime Bitcoiners don't realize is that people in the crypto industry right now is basically people that joined in 2021 and more recently. And to them, Bitcoin is just like a doorstop, right? It's this thing that I think they, some appreciate. It's not that interesting. There's not much to do with it. 
And so what are they doing? They want to build, they want to tinker, they want to innovate. And so naturally they gravitate towards ecosystems that are full-throatedly oriented around building stuff. But I think what Bitcoin has for it is this like unbelievable set of fundamentals, this unbelievable position of strength in terms of the blockchain itself, its brand, its holder base, its adoption. All of these things are these unbelievable strengths that other blockchains just would kill to trade places with. What's been missing is just that go-ahead signal that you can do stuff now. And that, to me, is what Ordinals was. It was this bat signal that says, you know what, when there's a will, there's a way. And even if it looks like an accident or kind of it looks funny or a toy or this or that, we have more people actually building things and deploying to Bitcoin than we've probably had in 10 years now. And so we just need more of it. And to your original question, which I've totally filibustered and, and I'm now finally getting back to, the answer is we've got to do all of it. I love the keep doing JPEGs. That's awesome. There's room for that. Keep thinking about really advanced infrastructure, picking up the torch from ideas that we had a long time ago. Keep incorporating some of the best ideas from ecosystems like Ethereum. Observe some of the problems, the challenges, the opportunities that those ecosystems have created and start thinking about how those can apply to an ecosystem like we have with Bitcoin. At the Bitcoin Frontier Fund, we're investing like very early pre-seed accelerator stage. And I'm just curious from a bigger fund's perspective, what are you seeing in the Ordinal's ecosystem and compared to maybe a more mature Web3 ecosystem like Ethereum, what type of companies are you seeing? And then what are you hearing from other investors who invest at a, a similar stage as you? And, and what's your prediction maybe for the next 12 months as we come into the halving? Do you see this Web3 on Bitcoin narrative becoming stronger and becoming a, a primary place that maybe people will allocate in this wave? Just generally your thoughts. I must say that VCs are not the ones you should be asking for predictions. Founders are much better at predicting the future. Honestly, the crypto VC community, you can think of them as almost a projection of the crypto space. And as a result, most crypto VCs, I think, aren't that into Bitcoin. Either you've got a few that have been around for a long time that kind of appreciate it, that maybe have said it is what it is, and they're going to focus on other things. I think many actually have joined the industry at a time when the thing to do with Bitcoin was hold it and not much else, since they don't have an appreciation for what it was, or they don't have their own set of institutional understanding for what it could be. But I think if you just set all that aside and think about it from its fundamentals, NFTs themselves, these assets are really cool. And they have a lot of properties, both from a market structure and from an intrinsic asset perspective that like many don't have. Ethereum people, the amount of creativity they need in order to imagine fully on-chain NFTs, it's crazy. You take a look at nouns and as an example of one of the one of the hallmark Ethereum fully on-chain NFTs, and they have to do all these crazy encoding schemes in order to get the images fully on there. Whereas at Bitcoin, we just get it for free and we shouldn't be done innovating on kind of what it takes to encode these things efficiently. But the fact that we don't have an external dependency to an NFT on Bitcoin is a big deal. From market structure perspective, um, Bitcoin has all the whales, right? I think the Bitcoin wealth is dwarfs the wealth of any other blockchain ecosystem. And like Udi's amazing line, right? If at the very least, if Bitcoin is gold and ordinals are jewelry, then just the fundamentals of kind of Bitcoin wealth itself should be a really big positive for the prospect of ordinals in their own right. 
So Alok, are you excited about DeFi and Bitcoin? What are some of the things that you're excited about on Bitcoin? I'm excited about all of it, frankly, but if there's one lesson that I've learned about it is I think that the easiest way to go wrong when you're trying to develop a new ecosystem with its own character is to basically go and and just overly copycat what happens in other ecosystems. How many times have we seen an Ethereum alternative chain and the first NFT project that's launched there is like just these kind of copies, other things that are there, or there's a DeFi protocol that works on Ethereum, and then it's just copy pasted onto another chain. And those are the things that, that frankly get me less excited. I think the right way is yes, DeFi, NFTs, all of these concepts, I think, are here to stay in a real, but in order to be defined as a successful ecosystem in that market, I think you have to do it in a way that really speaks to the fundamental strengths of the ecosystem itself, of the chain itself. And so that, that's my guidance is I think it's all amazing. And I think we should all be excited about various efforts that are being taken place in it. But just don't go copy Aave to build your first Bitcoin lending market. Think about what could be done differently. What's the right way to do it on Bitcoin? How does the architecture of Bitcoin, how should that be expressed in the mechanisms that we build incorporating it? Don't just assume that because it works on Ethereum, you just need to completely LARP it on your own chain. I totally agree with you on that. So let me throw you a small curveball here, or maybe a big one. What do you think about Bitcoin L2s using EVM then? Because... I think if you use EVM, is that what the result most people will do is just copy those smart contracts over to the Bitcoin L2, for example? It's a good question. I mind that less because at the EVM, it has its pros and cons, but I think there's a case that it becomes something like a JavaScript type of primitive where despite its shortcomings, it has just a really powerful network effect. It's a hello world, hello world VM that people are going to build their first smart contract on. And so I think there's there's an element of it that is just kind of meeting people where they are, if, if that's what you're going for. And yeah, you're going to get copy pasting, but I think you're also tapping into where you're most likely to find fertile ground in terms of people that can build these things and are motivated to build these things. But that said, I think that let's do new VMs also. Right. And I think that even on Ethereum, I think you plenty of experimentation with new VMs, new architectures. And so I'm, I'm not saying that we're over and done with. We still probably have like half a percent of kind of the overall developer market. I think we can have ever tried to write a smart contract. So there's still a lot of green space to go after. But I don't mind it. I'm not orthodoxically opposed to it. I think that the answer is like, yep, let's do it. And let's do a lot more, too. Absolutely that. And it's I think if you... Like the biggest original sin of the Bitcoin ecosystem, I think in the last, whatever, six, seven years has been this tendency to like have two years of discussions and then somehow plan a solution, <laughs> like plan that lightning is the solution. And then let's go spend the next decade implementing that solution without really knowing like how anything out of the market, how developers, how anyone is going to react to any of that. Whereas I think that the Ethereum approach, and really Ethereum didn't invent it. That's the approach of, that's just how the world works. But if you look at how Ethereum people have done things, yeah, they just tried all the things. And you've had an explosion of, I don't know, probably thousands of, of, of Ethereum startups over the years who tried all like funky stuff. And obviously most of them did not stick around, but some did. And I think we're going to have to do the same thing with Bitcoin. Yeah, it's, I don't think we can tell right now, right? Should we do EVM? Should we do something else? Should we do like 
more DeFi as Uniswap should be the first focus. Look, I know what we're going to do for Tapper Wizards, but in general for the ecosystem, people should just go for all of it, whatever they think is right. And, and if we try to plan ahead and be like, oh, no, EVM sucks. Oh, the that type of rollup sucks. That type of, that way to store NFT data sucks. That's not going to get us anywhere. And we've seen this so many times just this year, right? Like with BRC20s, you have the BRC20 hater camp that was sitting there and hating about, oh, but it's JSONs, it's inefficient. And you were spamming my Ordinals Explorer. And those people are very poor right now and broke. <laughs> Even though they're technically correct. You just got to out, go out there and try stuff. We have Eric on stage right now. Eric, what's up, dude? How are you feeling? Congratulations on the raise. You are a very technical individual. I'm curious, what do you see the future of Taproot Wizards being? What are you excited for in the Bitcoin space to be building and having the opportunity to build? I think Udi actually phrased it best in a couple of, it was, I think it was over a year ago, he was on Peter McCormack's podcast when he said that we have this vibrant ecosystem in crypto. There are NFTs that are being traded. And for some reason, like Bitcoin hasn't succeeded in being the medium of exchange and even in the crypto space, in the digital world. Obviously, that's like a major negative. And we can see that, for example, just looking at like Bitcoiners, even influential Bitcoiners that are supposed to be like the ones that understand how to use Bitcoin. Many of them don't even know like how lightning functions in like a high fee environment. So Bitcoin hasn't been stress tested. Bitcoin hasn't been in a transactional mode with enough people for a long enough time for us to be anywhere close to being ready for mass adoption. So I think that all the the degeneracy that we see on other chains, some of it is useless, but some of it is actually useful because ultimately it, it ends up stress testing the chain. It makes it so that wallets are developed, layer two solutions are developed that actually work. In the case of Lightning Network, many of its supporters, they believe that Lightning solves all the problems for them. They think that it's a solution that makes it sure that Bitcoin is future-proof. But from being able to rock the boat a little bit and helping hype up this ordinals craze, we've been able to demonstrate that Bitcoin is not anywhere close being ready for mass adoption. And I think that if that is the position of Bitcoin, like when mass adoption happens and people try the Bitcoin tools and discover that they don't work as well as the tools and other chains do, I think that could be the beginning of the flippening. And I think me and Udi, we probably invested too much of ourselves into Bitcoin early on. So I appreciate so many aspects of Bitcoin, like the immaculate inception of Bitcoin. There are so much lore. There's so much story here. There's so much distribution. There's so much non-scamminess and there's so many good values like the ability to validate bitcoin completely on your own node like all those properties it would be a shame if this chain was just neglected so like the ultimately what i want to make sure is that bitcoin has a chance for its survival taproot wizards is like a project that is making sure that the chain is used in various interesting ways, whether that is NFT trading, whether that is layer two solutions. It's basically the start of a Bitcoin company that is going to make progress realistic. And we have a lot of learnings from other chains, like how to do that, how to accomplish that goal. So we're here for the Bitcoin renaissance. We're here for Bitcoin season two. And we're going to try to do things in a way that isn't as dogmatic and just 
assumes that success is inevitable and we just need to hold on to our Bitcoin and then they'll go to a billion and no one even needs to try out the transactional layers. We want to have a more like realistic approach to how we can actually make Bitcoin successful. Wonderful response there, Eric. Appreciate you coming up. I need to jump. I'm a few minutes late for a call, but I wanted to thank everyone for doing this. Y'all are awesome. And it was a thrill to be a part of it this morning. Awesome. It was a pleasure having you. I'm excited for y'all to make Bitcoin magical again. Appreciate everyone for coming up, everyone for listening.